Association. 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 That was such uber ponage. Hello, fellow nerds from the studios of WBNS-FM in Columbus, Ohio. This is the Nerd Association Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Barnett. And I'm your other host, Mark Finch. And Mark, today, before we jump into our regular spiel, it is spooky season once again. And it wouldn't be spooky season here on Nerd Association without our number one super fan, Sean Brueger. Sean, thank you for joining us once again for, I know we're going to be doing at least a couple of episodes this month together, talking about some of the uh, spookier things in life. So welcome back to the show. Good evening. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Very good. And uh, Chops, what do you have for us this week? All right, I'm going to fire off with it. Pun, I guess, sort of intended there. (laughs) Guys, what do you think of when I say... You are allowed to move forward when it shouts green light. Stop when it shouts red light. If your movement is detected afterward, you will be eliminated. Well, I I think of a child game, but then I also know that what we're talking about today is not not so childlike. (laughs) Not much of a child game anymore. Yeah, uh, Chops, we are going to be talking a little bit about Squid Game today. Uh, as you know, you're the one that pitched it. And and I, for those, I know this has been big on social media. You, you, you and I talked about this, and I hadn't heard anything about it yet. But when I, as I've talked to people, they've been like, oh, yeah, I've heard about Squid Game. Got to watch that. And it's one of those ones that it's like just weird enough that the little hints you get, if you do notice it on social media, you're like, what is this show about? Because it's very strange until you dive into it. Yeah. For I don't know. I think sometimes people think that foreign films, if you're a U.S. audience, are not very accessible. I felt like this show was extremely accessible and, in fact, felt a lot of the themes felt very familiar and very much like, uh, you know, nothing out of the I mean, I shouldn't say out of the ordinary, but not that different from films we've seen before, but certainly done very well. And it's worth noting, by the way, that we are doing this is a binge or cringe episode Today, Sean and I are the uh, potential bingers, and Chops is the expert or the person who has seen all the way through, so keep that in mind as we're talking about it. Uh, Give us a quick spoiler-free, well, not spoiler-free, but tell us a little bit about it, you know, based on things people might have already seen on social media or based on what you could get out of the first episode. What's Squid Game about? Yeah, you can't really get it without like kind of spoiling the crux of the first right. episode. You, you got to give the I mean, hook. Yeah, because it's it's the it's the hugest part of the show. So it's a show about down on their luck people who are most of them tremendously in debt, need some help with, with that aspect of their life. They are located by a what seems like a businessman, and he gives them a business card to participate in some sort of game or contest or whatever and be at this location. They go to that. Then they learn that they're going to be playing childhood light games. The first one, as I said, in the, what do you think of when I say is red light, green light. And they're all kind of unsure about this, but then they're told the, the prize, which is what it was a hundred million won per person that was there. Correct. Sort of the way yeah. <laughs> to unlock the money is for those people to be eliminated. And how are they eliminated? Well, once they start playing red light, green light, and a few people go when they're not supposed to, they are immediately taken out by gunfire. Right. And then the show really starts. Yeah. Eliminated in the most literal sense. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah. It's, I think it's interesting how 
this this show sort of takes these competitive game shows a lot of you know japanese game shows are like this right where it's um you're doing physical tasks that are usually kind of embarrassing but also i mean yeah. things like american ninja warrior i mean name it wipeout a... had that that Pre- was on abc for a long time precisely yeah. it's so that it takes it you know there's a take on this idea of the sort of social embarrassment game show the sort of mass player group game show and it turns it on its head in <laughs> what is a South Korean capitalist hellscape, essentially. <laughs> yeah. As I as you know, I was as I was watching it, it, it struck me as, you know, the 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 show follows uh Jihoon is the sort of the protagonist, and he's this very down on his luck guy. He's, you know, he's a divorced dad. He's living in with his mom. His brother's successful. He's living in poverty. He's got all these debts. He's a chauffeur, but they never really show him doing that, which makes me think he might just be like a, like a, what is the valet driver yeah. or something like right. it, they never even show him doing it, but he, that's apparently what they say he is. And, and it becomes very quickly apparent that he is involved with some organized crime. They say that, there's a lot of talk about the amount of won that he owns, which won is South Korean currency. I could tell how popular this show was based on the fact that when I started typing in the number and the first part of the word million, that it was the very first <laughs> search result. <laughs> like every yeah. single time it just like popped up for me. Um, so he has about $350,000 in debt and about 150 ish or 130 ish thousand of that is to these loan sharks who, you know, within the first few moments of this show are threatening to give him uh, an ice pick lobotomy, essentially, and cut out one of his kidneys. And mm-hmm. so Jihoon, if if he's any indication of what a lot of these other contestants that are picked for this are going through, let's be honest, not that different than a lot of working people all around the world who have, you know, are victims well, probably, of, a, of a system yeah, that are in massive that. debt and... Yeah. Not that different than the people they probably get to go on those game shows that you listed where it's basically like embarrass yourself for a chance to win money. Sure. Well, and- or a lot of people who are playing the lottery or betting on horses or whatever the case may be. Um, you know, they make that clear pretty, pretty early on that he's not that d- much different from a lot of other people that are struggling with debt and trying to find, you know, the get rich quick scheme or whatever the case may be. They certainly illustrate that perfectly uh, with the game that he plays outside of the subway with the businessman. And I, I'm blanking on what he called it, but they have these paper squares that they're trying to sort of flip over by smacking them against it. It was kind of like a pogs game almost. Yeah. <laughs> but another sort of childhood game where the stakes are large amounts of money or physical violence. And it gives you the sort of perfect preview i thought too starting off with the the description of the squid game where the people on the inside get all the advantages the people on the outside have to uh hop around on one foot foot. but if they can find the shortcut to find their way in then they can use both feet and they become the inspector royale i think it was (laughs) and and there's that illusion from the the child version of jihoon to the movie battle royale which is about a bunch of kids who kill each other if you're not familiar with that one um, they have, I mean, it's a battle royale, but amongst a bunch of school age children, it's kind of like Lord of the Flies. Yeah. And so, you know, it sets it up for us right away. Like there are the people on the outside. There are the people on the inside guarding the victory or the wealth or whatever you want to say. The people on the outside have disadvantages unless they can find some sort of a shortcut. And then, uh, he says, you know, if you, if you, if you find your way inside and get knocked out, you're eliminated or you're, you're dead. Not, not, you don't lose. You're dead. 
Yeah. So I don't know. It just that first episode is so. Again, I haven't watched that much. I know Sean hasn't watched that much in the grand scheme of things, but sets things up just so, so poignantly. But also, I mean, it slaps, it smacks you in the face, but also seems like those messages are can also be subtle. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, I know that first episode, is, I think a huge reason why this has taken off so much through social media, word of mouth and everything, because you watch that first episode and you, you're hooked. You, you're like, okay, what is this really about? And it's, it's interesting, even though, as you mentioned, it being a foreign language one. And once you get the dubbing sometimes takes a moment to get used to, but I feel like you get used to it. If you sit down and actually watch, you know, an extended period of an episode. So once you get through all that, it's relatable stuff that you can see in, in, in your own world. And then it, then it goes beyond the relatable stuff. But yeah, that first episode certainly brings you in kind of wraps around you like a squid might there. you yeah. go. Ooh, wow. <laughs> Sean, what did you think of the first episode? Well, I was going to say I, there's the, certainly the comparison with like the Japanese game shows. Um, and so the first, all I could think of was the, at first was the the Chris Farley sketch where he's on the Japanese game show and has to cut off his finger. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. Or he's watching the rest of the contestants cut off their fingers. Yeah, and he's, he's freaking like, out. And he like accidentally does well, but then yeah. he... <laughs> he's yelling at his wife to call the embassy as they're hooking him up to the he's like, laser well, machine. I just thought I was going to a restaurant today <laughs> and <laughs> they did a good job at at leaving those subtle subtle things to sort of draw you in um the dubbing did take a little bit of getting used to i can and i couldn't i still can't um put my finger on if the main character if it's the like a translation in the in the how how the acting is done in a different language with the dubbing but he keeps he reminds me a lot of like teen luke skywalker sort of whiny a little bit at the beginning <laughs> the dubbing's interesting to me because i was reading an article from a girl who's a comedian but she speaks korean she is korean and she was saying that like there are some things that are definitely lost in translation they kind of offer different meaning and most of the stuff she was hitting on were like more like South Korean culture type things. And if you translated it right into English, it would still make sense, but they translated it just like a different way to like say a certain thing, but the way it's specifically said in Korean kind of, kind of works the other way. And I, I think that there's definitely something to that. I don't think it completely, the way like it was explained, at least in that like little, it was like a TikTok video. It's like, okay, that would, that would change that context maybe of that line just a little bit, but I don't think it like completely destroys it, which was kind of like her thesis. Like it's a completely different show. I don't, I don't think it's that because I think there's there, there has to be, I don't know this for sure. And I don't know what it is. There has to be some sort of science and methodology and reasoning for how they translate things and how long they make sentences to match up with how long a character might be talking on screen. And there's, there's gotta be so many things that go into dubbing it to make it look right. Yeah. As a, as a viewer of some amount of anime, I think there is a, there is sort of a science that is, we talked not long ago about the Giallo films and how when you watch those, they were filmed once and then the dubbing is does not have any regard for the movements of the mouth. Yeah. And there is an effort in, in anime and in films like this, I think, to try to match up those movements to the movement of the mouth as much as possible. But I do think sometimes that not not just mistranslations or sort of 
translative choices but also sometimes mm-hmm. i think the voice actors do take a few liberties with lines to try to squeeze them in or make them fit the mouth movements as much as possible sean i agree with you that jihoon is definitely like portrayed as hard as a loser as he can be in a way that they they come away from pretty quickly and he, his character becomes much more nuanced much more quickly but like initially he's just a loser <laughs> yeah as the show goes on too, you can tell like that there's a little bit more of uh, noble attributes sure. to him, and those those start to to come through, um, and you start rooting for him as he's kind of the main character. And there's other characters in there that you kind of like, but they they really go in hard on like the ah this guy sucks. I hope he fails this this next game as much as you could do that in the sense that you're watching a show. Not that you would actually wish that somebody right. dies because. At a game of red light, green light. Oh, the last thing I was going to say about the dubbing is they are assisted by the fact that the bad guys are all masked, correct? So you don't have they, you don't see their lips at all. So that I think that really helps with making the dubbing a little more accessible. Yeah, but I think that cert- the dubbing certainly like a higher production level because it at first uh, uh, like the first scene, um, I was still until I saw his mouth, like I was still trying to figure out if it was completely dubbed or not, but yeah. I didn't know, not knowing anything going in. And so, I mean, it does, they certainly did as good a job as I think they could do. Sure. There's just a lot of those physical, even like physical animations, how you say stuff that sort of didn't sort of didn't match, but it certainly didn't take you out of the, out of the show at all or the story. Well, and we were talking about that, the Mario movie that's supposed to be coming out last week and how they don't hire real voice actors. This sounded like real voice actors because they don't have to just talk and then they can animate around it. Like they have to try to match the emotive looks of the actors who originally right. acted in these scenes. And I think that takes that next level of voice acting. And I thought m- most of the voice actors did a pretty good job of it. It's a weird balance of like it sounding like cartoon characters because the voice has to give off this extra oomph to explain like who this character is and i think the voice actors actually did a good job of that yeah i I would think that they have almost have to be anime style actors like anime style voice actors i will also say too there's this really interesting phenomenon with anime but i also think so um this is a a sidebar that i swear is relevant uh i watched (laughs) this british game show called taskmaster and it's a bunch of British comedians and sort of British presenters that do honestly these almost like these sorts of puzzly tasks. But every now and again, they'll have a comedian who is the one time they had one who is comedian. This season, they have one who is American by birth. And it was they made a point in a recent episode of like putting the stiff British upper lip a person right next to the American person who's like losing their mind over eating <laughs> things that look gross but taste fine or taste you know what i mean and i think there is this tendency in anime as well that even if the character on screen isn't over the top that the voice actor is i think there's just this this sort of impression and i don't think it's a wrong one that americans are big and loud and overreact (laughs) (laughs) um so i do think that i I mean every now and again that's a little off-putting but i do think honestly that's kind of the way that I mean, that's the way the rest of the world perceives America as being big and loud and over the top and overreacting. So to do with that what you will, right? <laughs> and then that might be how they approach some of their right. some of their dubbed lines. Uh, so for you guys, as far as like you've only watched a, a little bit of into the second episode, 
what would you say if it was one that you would choose uh binge over cringe like what what would you say from what you saw would bring you back what what makes you want to turn on squid game again if you were to tonight hmm i think just to see where the story goes the rest of the way i mean i'm just getting to the point where they're oh, i guess can i i don't want to s- announce too much oh no we're but, in spoiler territory now go for uh, it. okay yeah. good um <laughs> Yeah, I guess just seeing where it goes, because that second episode, they certain certainly sort of you see everybody who who wanted to get out initially, they got out, but then their lives change and they're starting to, that that dangling carrots starting to present itself as a better idea. What no matter what the cir- their circumstances, but they all seem to need to go back or want to go back. So and it's like I, a. I was going to say, it's like a weird secret that they can't tell anybody about or that nobody would believe them because there is a Gihan. He tries to go to the police and tell them about it. And they're just basically like, what are you? You're drunk. Get out of here. We're going to arrest you. And it's, they can't relate it to anybody. So they feel like they have this, this life-changing event that they're not even, I bet that you psychologically, you would even question whether or not it really happened. And you're just, you're feeling so out of it. And like, yeah, it probably just would draw you back. Cause that was something when they do decide to come back, I'm like, why would anybody go back to this? Even if you're in that amount of debt, but there's probably a certain amount of like PTSD to it that like you are drawn back to it. Are you too familiar with the movie Parasite? Yeah. Yes. One of the other most well-known pieces of South Korean media that is also horrifying. I think it's interesting and I'll admit uh, this isn't a comparison that I or uh, sort of a, a juxtaposition that I came to on my own. I was reading an article about about this series, and they were like, most people in the world know South Korea for K-pop. <laughs> and if you ask <laughs> yeah. people what South Korea's main export is, uh, as far as uh, media goes, they would point to K-pop. And yet, there's all these really smart South Korean horror movies, but they're horror movies that are based in. I mean, reality, right? They're not slasher films. It's not that crazy to think about there being a an underground game show where down on their luck people would risk their lives to make millions of dollars. That's not that mm-hmm. crazy of a proposition. I mean, that's why most underground things exist. Right. In the real world, yeah. Something that I thought was really interesting that I, I wanted to research right away is because, because I thought, is this also, I mean, this must also be a South Korean problem. But South Korea is is kind of a microcosm of American capitalism and a lot of the problems that come with American capitalism. And one of the things that, as I do, I read spoilers for the entire series. Um, I know that part of, of Ji-Hoon's character background is that he was part of a factory that was, that was shut down and the union busted. And he saw one of his coworkers die right before his eyes. And that's something that really is a problem in South Korea is the way that sort of labor unions are handled with excessive amounts of violence to put them down. Uh, but also, I mean, it's it's like a, it's like its own sort of microcosm of capitalism where rich people take advantage of poor people and create a system that keep them poor uh, mm-hmm. and, and a system in which like pulling yourself up by your bootstraps is incur, you know, the, the value of hard work and a meritocracy is very much like. That's also something that apparently is a tenet of Confucianism, which is the major religion of South Korea, which is also like hard work is the thing that will will get you ahead in life, right? But yeah. when the system is set up just to exploit your hard work, um, 
then it, you no, you don't get ahead in life. And I think it's just, I don't know. It was just interesting to see this movie or this series rather tackling those kinds of issues that I think of, or I think until now I have thought of as being uniquely American issues, but cert- but are not. <laughs> that was, you know, foolish of me to think of them in that way. So that was interesting. And also the fact that like this movie starts off the way a lot of sort of blue collar American su- success movies start right with the down on his luck loser single dad trying to make like a pursuit of happiness type movie precisely and in those movies it's of the feel-good thing about the guy who pulls himself up by his bootstraps and he makes his money and he and he gets his family back and blah 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 well because that's kind of how they're framing them like everybody's interacting with they're like we'll just get to work get a job and all this stuff he's like i had a job right look at what happened and now i i just feel like i'm caught in this cycle and that's how he gets desperate enough to want to go to this game and but even before that the the first game you mentioned where he's gonna let a guy essentially humiliate him in the subway station by slapping him over and over again for a chance to win 1,000 won, which is what, like 50 bucks or Uh, something like that? 100,000 won, which is, I think, like 500 bucks. But yeah, still. Okay, yeah. What's really interesting about that scene is he keeps getting beat, literally beaten down by the system, (laughs) right? And then the moment he gets a leg up and thinks he can commit violence against the other guy, he just pays, it's money. Money solves the problem. Right. Which I think is, I mean, again, perfect corollary, right? Mm-hmm. And it's also interesting how, and we talked about audition last year during spooky season, and I don't want to lump, lump them all together, but I think there is this sort of Asian horror film trope of making everything seem really, really believable until the hard left turn. <laughs> and I think that's yeah. what makes them more horrifying in, in there. There are much more existential horror because they seem you're completely on board with this being in reality until the hard left turn. And even, but, but, but in that way, you're already sort of invested in this being realistic. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes. The, and that's for the people who are like, that would never happen when you're watching squid game. And it's like, yeah, but all the other stuff could. So how hard it's not very hard to make that leap and watch the show guys. Let's look at college football. It's sort of similar. Oh, college football. (laughs) (laughs) No, say more about that. I'm interested in hearing about that. So you have the athletes who are not, well, I guess they're getting paid. Some of them are getting paid now, but the whole, uh, you know, network TV deal thing for big money. Yeah. For these participants who have a shot of getting big money at the end of it yeah but are putting their but are putting their bodies on the line in the meantime right yeah while other people are just making all the money and it's a multi it's a billion dollar industry yeah the other thing um moving back to squid game and a difference there is in like a, the college football example, the coaches and the administration, everybody, they're all taking advantage of that money. I would guess, and they sort of leave it that there might be a second season at the end of this, but I would guess that there's more to it of who the guards are and who the people running this are that maybe they're not so different sure. than the contestants. And there are some instances in there. I don't want to ruin it too much uh, for you guys, but there is a contestant kind of in cahoots with some of the guards for a way to them to skim some money off the top of the industry of this squid game. Yeah. I think, do, do they ever get into like uh, television? Like, is it, 
are people watching this other than the one creepy dude in the in his office sipping yes he they get he gets revealed to be named the front man is his name um they do it is not like a broadcasted thing i will say it's a narrow casted thing a elite pay-per-view maybe and that probably gives away too much on its own but i, I wanted to answer your question in some way well i was sort of expecting that like to see something because well, like who that. bankrolls it the money has to come from somewhere right, right there's so much money that has to be involved in in it and this is me picking apart story but um yeah the money has there's so much money in where they're where that like yeah it's not even just the prize money but it's yeah the facilities they have bullets cost money all this stuff yeah they have a bunch of bunk beds somebody has to pay for it something like 456 bunk beds or whatever it was yeah yeah no i well and i think i don't think you're spoiling anything that isn't probably pretty a pretty logical conclusion which i mean think about Mm -hmm. hostel right the the eli roth movie Mm -hmm. where it's like rich people can pay to murder and get away with it and that's like that's the premise right and and i think it's it's the similar but just quickly i i think about a movie like saw right where you have it's not not exactly the same but it's certainly people are essentially playing a sick game show and trying to come out alive now in saw the whole point is supposed to be you appreciate your life more because you've gone through this experience and survived. And if you don't have the will to live or do whatever it takes to survive, like you're just going to die. Yeah. Even though I think that is bullshit. At least that's the front facing like right. point that Jigsaw gives out. That's funny that you bring that up and you up like elites watching people like battle it out and kill it. Cause I think this movie, I think this show is a cross between three movies for me. Yeah. Hunger games. Yeah. Saw, and Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> yeah, very <laughs> Those much. Those are the so. three I see there when I was watching this. I I think you're right on the money. It uh, also gives me a little bit of a Stanford Prison Experiment vibe because, like I said, I feel like the guards are also people down on their luck. Sure. And what really gives them the right to treat these other indebted people so poorly, except for the fact that they were given a pink jumpsuit instead of a green sweatsuit? Yeah, the illusion of authority. Yeah. No, I think those are ex- I think those are excellent connections. One thing I will say, and you guys got into this because uh, before the show started, we talked about how many episodes you guys had gotten in, and uh, I watched it pretty fast, mostly because I dedicated most of a Sunday to it. But sure. I did notice that the episodes were a little long. They're anywhere between thirty and about sixty. They can get there's a few that get up to an hour. I think there's nine episodes. I uh, especially in the middle part. I think this would have been better as a movie and it's weird to decide how things get, you know, figured out when they're being pitched and greenlit and what the, what the production company might want, what Netflix might want if they are interested in securing the naming rights or the uh, distribution rights for it. Um, But there's just a little bit in here and it would be a long movie. I think it would be probably upwards of three hours. It would have to be a long movie, but there's just parts where there's like scenes that are like 15 minutes long. And I'm like, this scene could be a lot shorter. Could be just like the quick, like, here's what's happening. And uh, that's just something I've, I, I found. And I find that a lot with a lot of these streaming services things is you watch something. The big one that comes to mind when I think of this is there was that uh, three weeks in a row, Netflix released one fear street movie and they were all connected and it was a trilogy and as I was watching it, I was like, man, the the final, the third one I thought was really good. I thought the first, I thought the first one was bad. The second one was okay. And the third one I thought was really good. And I feel like 
I would have had more buy-in if it was a series and it would have been just like next episode coming on. I've been like, okay, I'll keep watching. Sure. But when it was movies, I feel like they probably had people drop off and it's weird that it can go the other way. You watch a series and think, ah, I think this could work better as a movie. And I don't know what goes into that decision-making, but it's just something that popped in my head that there was a little bit too much drawn out here. And I think it would be almost more compelling and edgier seat if it was a movie. I think streaming sort of killed off the the concept of a mini series too. Mm-hmm. So you, I think I agree with that point. I was going to say I think it's this probably and I can't speak to pacing issues on episodes I haven't seen, right? But I do think that you do kind of get the impression based on what you said chops that like if it had been Oh, this has to be a, this ha- this this scene has to be an episode or these four scenes have to be an episode. So something you originally planned to be 20 minutes is three 20 minute things sure instead of 20 minutes altogether and would we have gotten like four or five episodes that were a lot tighter but netflix was like no we need at least eight or nine for it to be a series as opposed to a mini series i don't know you're it would be interesting to know what the decision making is that goes into that or if it's something i mean netflix i feel like correct me if i'm wrong i feel like netflix has been one of the more decent studios for kind of giving the reins to creative people and so i don't don't know maybe i'm wrong one thing netflix did that i really appreciate with tv shows and you see it in squid game so they at least get this part right is netflix said yeah it's a tv show don't worry about the length of the episodes if you want to do an experimental 55 minute episode and the next episode's 21 minutes fine whatever we'll put them both on it's your show we we greenlit it and do it because it doesn't matter people will watch probably the whole thing anyways or be fine with the shorter episodes so that's something you get from squid game yeah do you think our internal clocks like being used to television episodes being 22 or 44 minutes or us having this idea in our heads of a movie being like 90 to 120 minutes do you think that those concepts have ruined what dramatic pacing can be like has that has that changed is it not is it not that these things are paced poorly but that we're so used to it being a certain way that do you know what i mean i think the movie one is decent be it, it has gone the wrong way is that there's so many people who now I'm, I'm assuming it's studio people, the, the people really in charge that say, well, movies should be two hours. People want to watch a movie for two hours. And sometimes you watch a 90 minute movie and you're like, that was the perfect length. Sure. Please make more 90 minute movies. Cause there's way more two hour, two hour and 15 minute movies, that kind of stuff. I feel like that's a common thread. We come out here on nerd association, but movies are too long. Like you don't need to add an extra stuff if it's just not there. Yeah. You need to get to feature length. You probably need to hit that 90 minute mark, but if you've got 95 minutes, don't worry about stretching it to 120. I mean, I, I think th- that's okay. I think that depends though, right? Because uh, my favorite films of all time are the Lord of the Rings extended editions. And I've yeah. watched those movies. I've dedicated more like 13 hour swaths of my life to watching those three movies than anything else. Right. And I would I, argue that, and I know that's not for everyone, but like, I would argue that there's nothing in those that needs to get chopped out. That, well, yeah, it's not always true that a longer movie needs to get chopped out. Sure. I just think there's this expectation that movies need to be longer now. And so that movies that don't need to be that length get chopped down. You're is right. That, about- is that because every movie is like a Marvel movie or a Star Wars movie <laughs> <laughs> that they have to be? Epics? Maybe. I don't know. I, I think it's the uh, depends on the storytelling. I mean, like the 
once the movie gets to theater or the whole movie process production process there's certainly like chap said is some condensing based on the some rules with the studio you know sure. we we this is what we want to see but i think if the storytelling is good it doesn't matter how long or short the it is yeah i've i know i've there've been a few movies and i can't think of any off the top of my head but i know there's there've been a few movies where they've been very long movies from a standard movie time um but you don't feel like you've sat there for that long watching that movie or you want more immediately and it's just story yeah. the storytelling it goes back to the like thing about like any like continuity errors or things that don't make logical sense in movies Generally, if the movie is good and compelling, you won't notice those things unless somebody specifically points them out. But when a movie's boring and kind of dragging, yeah, that's when you start to look around and you notice these things. And so it's like almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy that the the worse a movie is, the more you're going to notice it's worse because sure. you're you're getting bored and looking around. I don't think Squid Game has a problem with that. Uh, I think it was just, and it's probably because I binged it too. If I think sure. if you picked up one or two episodes a night and watched it over a, a week's time you instead of watching find it to be so like, yeah instead of watching like places. six episodes in one sitting kind of like i did at the at the start i think maybe that was a part to it but I, I i stand by what i said about i think it would be better as a movie i think it would need to be a long movie yeah. but i think it would be better as a movie well do you think this is one that that netflix would see the knows well they already know the popularity of it and they're like hey why don't we just why don't we Nerd. make a Make a American movie of movie, it, yeah. yeah. Take Will the same Smith in Squid Game. The oh, God, Rock. that would ruin it. Um, the Rock in Squid Game, right? Um, yeah. I hate that. Just oh god, I hate that so much because of how possible it well, is. Well, because it, uh, if it turned into an American movie, it would it wouldn't end the way it does. No. And I don't want to spoil it for you guys, but it would end in The Rock or whoever is cast in that main role winning, but somehow saving a number of his contestants and beating up the the people in charge with his bare hands and then flying up into the sky in his glass elevator and being like, look, everything you see yeah. belongs to you. You get nothing. <laughs> you lose. Yeah. Um, I don't know because I, I am agreeing with you that like giving arbitrary lengths to these things is the right move. I think tell the story you have to tell in the amount of time it takes. I'm, I'm all for that. Because at this point, a lot, a lot of this stuff's never seeing television. So why would they care? Yeah. Another thing that I think might be, uh, it might be that like translation question is maybe there is a little bit more robust storytelling in the dialogue. And we when don't it's realize it. Yeah. When it's in Korean and they, it's matched up exactly how it was supposed to be. And like we said, with the science of dubbing it over that they maybe couldn't fit in all those themes. Right. Quite as much. And you're so when these scenes seems like dragging, it's like, yeah. If you're paying attention, especially in the Korean version, and you you know what you're listening to, that there's a little bit more under the surface. And that's the other thing. It was originally, you know, it was created by a Korean person for a Korean audience. Correct. And there's probably more subtleties to like, hey, see how this, you know, like looks like what you see in our culture and what you see in everyday life. And right. maybe you just can't relate those things back to the, while there are similarities, you can't relate everything back to the American audience. Of course. And I, th I think a good example of that is the, the girl they, they mentioned, I noticed they mentioned is from North Korea. And like, it just sort of breezes over, at least 
yeah, as far as right. I've seen, but like, I'm sure to a South Korean audience, that's a big deal or it explains a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We, we can pretend to know, so we can like infer some things about that situation, but Sean, you're right. Like we can't know what that, <laughs> what that feels like. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Most people can't know what it's like to be struggling to like bring your family over the border from a, a dictatorship. Uh, <laughs> that's, right. You know, that's not an experience that, well, that most of us have. Uh, and then you can you imagine in the American version, The Rock is there, and it's revealed that Hillary Swank is from Canada. <laughs> well, it would be it would be Mexico, right? I mean, okay, that would be a for a I think for a a Mexican American audience or like a Latin American audience in this would have more of a, maybe a little bit more bite in for that particular scene, right? Where there's the possibility yeah. that maybe your family has been can't cross the border or has been deported or what, you know, well, Mexico I mean? makes more know. sense. I was, yeah. The, yeah, but the Hillary Swank in Canada, like, Canada, that's, there's, yeah. There's, there's, yeah. I, I wanted to ask you guys this. Um, I knew that there was, I think I at least knew that there was the hook of like life and death consequences, but I didn't know exactly what was going on. And I want to know where you were at on that. And then when you saw the first people get shot and they, uh, we talked about this before Daniel, how different things look that like, this isn't uh, the playing arena is very stylized, but the filmmaking isn't. It's pretty brightly lit, nice wide shots. You really get to see this violence in front of you, and that can sometimes be shocking. What was your guys' gut reaction when you were watching Red Light, Green Light? I sort of expected, I knew something was happening, and I felt like Red Light, Green Light was pretty tame to what I was anticipating for the, fir- <laughs> but for the first game, it was a good intro. Honestly, I knew something was going, something drastic was involved. And in the very beginning, when it's the kids telling the story in the black and white of how to play squid, the squid game, um, after he says the losers die, I was sort of waiting for the kids, somebody to die yeah. in that scene. Um, but no, I thought, yeah, I thought it was, um, I sort of expected it to happen i didn't red light green light was pretty tame to what i was expecting so obviously going to this chops you and i talked and and i had the same pitch from you that you kind of gave our audience which is that it's hard to tell what the hook of this show is without revealing the big the first big twist right but yeah. the stakes were already life and death for jihoon like a guy stuck an ice pick up his nose to threaten to you know what i mean so so I guess in in that respect I wasn't that shocked by the fact that that's how high the stakes were cuz they had already already been that high. Um but I do think Chops you're right in there is this trend in horror films but I mean lots of films but horror films where showing the violence brightly lit in a wide shot is much more it's less viscerally horrifying and more psychologically horrifying. Does that make sense? Because of how cold it is. When you watch a movie yeah. where you're getting the really stylized violent shots, I think that taps into something in you emotionally that, but but you're not seeing, usually you're not seeing the extent of the violence. You're just getting the sort of impressions of the violence and it hits you on an emotional level. I think when you just show it coldly lit from a distance, it, it makes you it's like voyeurism right it's like you're one of the rich people you are in this movie in this series you're one of the rich people on a closed circuit television watching this pan out right yeah and it feels more real when you view it like that right 
Mm-hmm. And There's may- nothing left to the imagination. Yeah. But but in that way, because because it's not stylized with like, you know, giant ketchup bottle squirts of blood and that kind of stuff. It's just like, oh, it, again, it, it lends to that sort of realism that is really horrifying about a, a series like this, where it's like, this isn't that unbelievable. This is actually fairly believable. <laughs> Slight spoiler alert for you guys. Um, one of the other games they play is Tug of War. Yeah. And uh, that was the only other one that like I recognize as like something we played. I really thought Red Rover was going <laughs> to make an appearance. Um I don't know how they would do that, but uh, I just thought, cause that's like one of those games that, uh, cause they talk about the squid game and they mention this later in the show too, that like it's been outlawed uh, in like South Korean schools. Cause it was just too violent for the kids to play. And that reminds me red Rover isn't exactly violent in the kids hurting themselves on purpose or trying to hurt somebody, but I know it, they don't like endorse it at schools anymore because kids were getting their like, arms pulled out of their socket yeah. so or like their for some bell, reason i thought that their was... bells wrong when they got closed line <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i thought that one was going to make an appearance and all the other ones were yeah things that i just uh wasn't familiar with but for the most part i understood there was only one where it wasn't it was more about like two people interacting and like the one who wins gets to live so it doesn't really matter but there's it had to do with marbles and stuff and i wasn't sure if they were just making up these games or if these are actual popular games kids play but i did not I mean, I got them once they explained the rules and they were playing it, but like it was not something that registered with me at all as like a game. That is interesting to think about, like, and I and obviously I didn't get to have the same experience of you as, of seeing all of them and like having those thoughts. But it would be interesting to think of what the cognates would be for an American audience, right? So you talked about like red light, green light, and tug of war. I mean, uh, let's on the spot, like what games, if this were made by an American for an American audience, what other popular childhood games would be in there? Dodgeball. Yeah. Dodgeball. Except for like, sure would with, be in there for like grenades or something. Yeah. They, they're uh, controlled by the game master and explode whenever he decides. If you're out, yeah. I mean, if in you're that, out, they explode in that way. Hot potato, right? Oh yes. Musical yeah. chairs hopscotch maybe if you hopscotch i've never understood because it just seems really easy so i guess you have to throw more rocks and if you land on one that you're not supposed to gone the uh indiana jones version of hopscotch (laughs) where the floor falls out well they but in latin jehovah starts with an eye like (laughs) yeah it's funny you mentioned the the floor falling out uh that they kind of get to a game like that later on in the series and that one i thought was the most compelling game to watch because it had more of a sense of like what would i do in this situation how would i handle this and i thought that interested me more that was also another problem with some of the games and like those scenes being dragged out like i said is like i get the game like there's not it's it's either the people do it or they don't so i'm not very compelled by watching like i guess they were trying to build up the suspense but after a certain point it it just wasn't suspenseful to me and i'm like just finish tell me who lives and who doesn't but isn't that kind of Maybe. Doesn't that kind of go back to the voyeurism aspect of it and like us being part yeah. of that rich audience where people are dying in front of our eyes and we're bored by it? <laughs> like, I mean, you know what I'm saying? If you think about that, doesn't that kind of play into yeah. that theme? I would hope that if, yeah, if it was the real situation, I wouldn't be bored by this activity taking 20 minutes, yeah. but you're right. I don't know. That's, that's, that's interesting, interesting to, to think of it in that regard. Maybe that part of the pacing there is intentional. It's like, 
if you to have that moment of self-realization where you're like crap am i that desensitized to this stuff that <laughs> i don't know so are, i think uh chops c- correct me if i'm wrong are we to the are we to the verdict moment is this where we weigh in i think that's uh where we should go and so you guys are partway through the second episode so is it binge or is it cringe i say binge i'm already drawn in it's a little it's definitely intense i'm not going to say it's a little intense it's intense but the story's in the story's good enough that it it's definitely pulling me in yeah i'm i agree it's a it's a binge for me i was literally watching up until the moment that we got on to record like because I wanted to have as not just because I felt like I wasn't prepared, but because I wanted to have I wanted to know <laughs> what was happening. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, that, I, that, I'm definitely going to finish the series. That definitely explains why. Yeah, it was like the number one trending thing on Twitter for a whole week. And it was like the for people who are back in their offices in any capacity, it was probably like the water cooler talk of, oh, have you seen this squid game? It's, it's yeah. on Netflix and you should you should check it out. So, yeah, I mean, if anybody doesn't care about spoilers and they've stuck with us through this whole time. We didn't spoil everything. So there's still stuff for you to get to. And I hope I didn't, you know, I hope I was discreet enough when describing some of the, the later happenings. I can't, I can't imagine there aren't surprises left because I think, I mean, we've touched on, we've touched on the sort of broad themes, but I'm, I'm interested to see how those play out in more detail. And, and I'm interested too, you know, you've laid some cookie crumbs as to like, how's the pacing are these things compelling like what do we think when the games aren't things we recognize and i think i also have a an idea you were like there's like a person who might be skimming off the top i have some ideas as to what that could be Um, and then when you see it you'll you'll know if you were right yeah yeah that's yeah that should be fun you know what else is fun nerd association (laughs) yeah everyone jumps up in the air we freeze frame they take a picture of us so if you if you like listening to nerd association you too could be like sean you can always tweet in at us ideas of things to talk about you can also email us you can find us on twitter at nerd that's at n-e-r-d underscore a-s-s-o-c also you can email us nerd at gmail.com and of course, we want to thank our special guest, Sean Brueger. As mentioned, Sean will be joining us uh, at least once more this month to talk about spooky stuff for spooky season. Uh, Sean, thanks once again for uh, for coming here and talking to us. And uh, I know you have a... For people who know Sean personally, his big project right now is is doing the decorations for spooky season around the house. So little I, Easter egg? I don't know. If you know Sean, you can get in on that project. We're not going to like dox him here on on a podcast so you you can't miss it if you drive by let's just say that (laughs) all right thanks again john thank you thanks for listening